0: All of us are responsible to God, regardless of the amount of material wealth that He has entrusted to us. 1 Corinthians 4.2 states, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Romans 14.12 states, So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. For the next hour, Life 100.3 will explore how God provides us with wisdom in all areas of finances and provides a distinction between worldly attitudes as opposed to godly attitudes with respect to money. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Faith and Finance. It is great to have Tom Copeland back in studio. However, we did ask for your questions in advance by phone, email, and through social media. And we will present them to Tom over the next hour. Our topic for today is definitely a timely one, dealing with inflation and higher interest rates from a biblical perspective. However, Tom will answer a number of different financial questions from many different topics. Tom Copeland has been teaching God's word on finances since 1982. He has helped thousands of people reduce debt build up savings, and experience God's peace in the area of finances. Tom's Financial Moments are aired on 80 radio stations and 6 TV stations across Canada, including right here on Life 100.3, Monday to Saturday at 8.10 in the morning and 5.20 in the afternoon. Tom is the author of the book, Financial Management God's Way, as well as several workshop series, including Debt Reduction God's Way and Managing Money During COVID-19. Tom is the president and founder of Copeland Financial Ministries, who teach what the Bible says on finances. For more information, check out org. Again, that's copelandfinancialministries.org.
2: Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's great to be
1: back. All right, let's get right to the points. Normally, we would be hosting this program at the end of August or maybe even in early September. But we felt like we needed to address a big problem that is impacting our country right now, and that is inflation. Do
2: you agree? Absolutely. It's a major problem, Steve. And recently, the inflation numbers for the month of May 2022 was 7.7% in Canada. The numbers came out in June for the United States. Nine point one percent. I suspect our numbers for June will be higher. This is the highest inflation rate we've had in thirty nine years. We all know the price of gas at the pumps is doubled since June of twenty twenty two. Groceries have increased substantially. Almost everything we have to buy is more expensive. The current inflation rate is considerably greater than the salary increases, so many people cannot continue to afford to buy the same products and services that they had in the past. In other words, if people have been living paycheck to paycheck, which is so common, spending all the regular income, and if they continue with their current lifestyle, they will accumulate more debt and eventually suffer some very negative consequences. Whenever we're going through some kind of situation like this, we are
1: looking for answers. And I know that the Bible has those answers. So what
2: does it say about times like this? And here's some initial steps to deal with inflation. As instructed in James 1.5, always pray and ask God for his wisdom and direction because there may be several options within the biblical guidelines that you and your spouse, if you're married, need to take. Secondly, determine where you're at financially. List out all your debts as well as your assets. If you have any unnecessary assets, you'd be wise to sell them and pay down some debt. Also, as you list your debt, you need to face reality as well. And determine where you've been spending money. Suggestion, record all your expenses. You could use form number six of the Copeland Budgeting System. Record it on for, let's say, the last four months. Divide those totals by four and it gets your average monthly costs and then compare that to your income and see if you currently have a deficit or a surplus on your monthly cash flow. Managing one's monthly cash flow is so key to getting your finances in order. And as a result of inflation, a lot of people have a monthly deficit. That is, they're spending more than they're earning and accumulating debt. In Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-three, God admonishes us to know where we're at financially. So by tracking your expenses, you will know your financial facts and you will become more conscious of where your money is being spent, which means you'll likely spend less.
1: It's a really good start. Some of us are furiously writing down notes already. Do you have any other recommendations?
2: Yes. Um, review your normal monthly expenses. Eliminate any discretionary expenses that you would normally incur on a monthly basis. Remember, Christ promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires, Matthew six thirty-one 31 to 33. And if you have a positive cash flow, you should be able to continue with your current lifestyle, excluding those discretionary expenses. However, on the other hand, after you've prepared this budget based on where you've been spending your money and how much income you have now, and also how much it's going to cost you in the future because of the increased inflation, and if you've eliminated all the discretionary expenses and you're still spending more than you're earning, you need to either increase your income or do some significant downsizing to ensure you can balance your budget. For example, you may have to sell one of your cars or even downsize your home. And for individuals and couples who are just gaining by with respect to the income that they earn prior to their cost of living increasing, inflation is going to force you folks to make some changes, whether you like it or not. If you don't decrease your expenses or increase your income, then you're going to accumulate more debt and eventually suffer the consequences. Here's a real key proverb Proverbs 22 3 says, The prudence see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. As promised,
1: we received many questions in advance. Before today's show, this is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. Let's take one of those questions now.
0: My name is Andrew and I'm a 27-year-old from Muskoka. But I think the question I have the most is, like, what do you do coming out of this? Like, even if there isn't a recession and things get better, like, how do you manage, like, the cost of living currently for, like, the millennial generation whose wages are, like, so similar to the same wages that... The generation ahead of us had, but the prices are not the same. It's like, does quality of life just drop or is like homeowning disappear? Like, what's the
2: solution? That's a good question, uh, Andrew, and a lot of people are facing that. I think the key is to follow biblical principles. One of them is what John the Baptist said in Luke three fourteen: be content with your pay. In other words, People have to learn to be content, as Paul did in Philippians chapter 4, with the level of income that God's given to you. And certainly, as a minimum, you need to track your expenses, develop and implement a budget to ensure you're living within your means. But going forward, I think the reality is people are going to have to learn to be content with less. Keep this in mind, that money and material things are very temporary in nature. But how we use the money, the time, the talents that God's given to us while we're here on earth that will have an impact for eternity. In Matthew 16, 27, Jesus said, for when the son of man returns in his father's glory with his angels, he will reward each person according to what they have done.
1: Tom, it seems like the cost of living is increasing a lot faster than the salaries. Do you think that most of us will have to learn to be content to live with less?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, the answer is yes. Probably yes, unless people can increase their income in some practical way. Often when people get into debt and get behind the eight ball, they usually try to increase their income first before they lower their standard of living. Even the apostle Paul had to learn to be content. Philippians chapter four, Paul said, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Similarly, because of inflation, many people will have to learn to be content with less. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We are answering
1: your questions and we are discussing a timely topic as we are dealing with inflation and rising interest costs. And Tom, coming up next, I have another question. We are going to learn if it's a good idea to sell our home and rent. Tom will answer that question next.
0: Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back.
2: Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. God's warning, debt is dangerous. Offers of personal lines of credit, 0% financing, and receiving unsolicited credit cards all entice us to borrow money. As a result, many people believe the lie that it's okay to buy now and pay later. This worldly belief is contrary to God's word. In Proverbs 22, seven, God warns, the borrower is servant to the lender. Inability to service one's debt will result in detrimental consequences. Here's three examples. Threats from creditors will generate tension between a husband and wife, often destroying their relationship. A Christian is unable to accept a full-time job in ministry as the salary is insufficient to service his debts. Debt causes stress, resulting in sleepless nights and health problems. The absolute truth is that God wants us to be free to serve him and not a lender. In summary, God warns of the dangers of debt and strongly discourages borrowing. To learn more, check out org. To learn
1: more, check out org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Steve Jones, along with Tom Copeland, Chartered Accountant, and we are answering your questions. We are also discussing a very important topic on how to handle these rising interest rates and this which seems to be out of control inflation. And we are answering your questions all hour long. And here's another one, Tom. Some people are thinking, okay, is this a good time maybe to sell my home, put a lot of money
2: in the bank and rent instead? What would you say to that? Generally speaking, I discourage people um, risking their family home. you got to keep this in mind. Even if your home drops in value, it doesn't shrink from, say, 2,000 square feet down to 1,500 square feet. It's still 2,000 square feet or whatever it is. It still provides the same benefit to the family. I've seen too many people get stung when they sell their home, go and rent for a year or two, planning to buy back into the market at a lower price and they get stung, and they find they can't buy back into the market at at a lower price. Yes, it's true. uh, Real estate's dropped already in the last few months because interest rates have gone up so much. And if interest rates continue to go up, they're likely going to drop further. But how long that's going to go on for, I don't know. As the proverb says, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day will bring forth. This is Faith in Finance with chartered
1: accountant Tom Copeland. Tom, the Apostle Paul talks about learning the secret of being content. So... Everybody wants to know, what was Paul's secret to learning contentment?
2: I think the secret is in Philippians 4, 13, where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key is he focused on his relationship with Jesus Christ. He focused on things of eternal value rather than the temporal. And when you do that, and Paul talked about in Colossians 3, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. When we have an eternal perspective and start thinking about things like evangelism and discipleship and how you can invest money that's going to have an impact on God's kingdom, Those are things of eternal value. And as you focus on those things, rather than material things, you'll learn to be content with less from a material perspective. We've
1: touched on rising interest rates a little bit already. And sometimes you can just turn on the news and you can get lost in what they're trying to say. So let's see if we can simplify it a little bit. They've increased substantially over the last several months. Can you explain what has happened and how this is going to impact us?
2: Yeah, it's amazing what's happened. This is the fastest interest increase since uh, the 1970s and 80s. This is now um, July 15th of 2022. And and just in the last five, six months, interest rates, say, on a five-year fixed mortgage has gone from 2% to about 5.5%. And that may likely go on higher because the Bank of Canada just raised rates yesterday. And the other thing is I'm finding I'm getting 25 emails a week from individuals and couples who are experiencing financial difficulty because their mortgage payments have gone up. It's really serious because when people's mortgages come due, if you've got a fixed mortgage and it comes due, your your mortgage payment could, could jump very significantly. And when you have a variable rate mortgages, you're probably already seeing them go up. And so i would say um the fixed mortgage has gone from two percent to five and a half the variable rate mortgages have gone from about one and a half percent to four point two percent so one thing that's clear and i've done a bit of an analysis assuming a 25-year amortization for the average person with a variable rate their interest is probably increased from 27 to to 44 percent and the same for people with a fixed rate in other words bottom line is mortgage payments are going up either immediately if you've got a variable rate mortgage or they're going up. If you have a fixed rate mortgage, they're going up next time your mortgage comes due. And so you have to plan for that in advance so you're not caught by surprise and suddenly find you can't make your mortgage payment. And it won't take long if you miss several mortgage payments and the bank will be removing you from your home. From what you were
1: saying, a lot of people could be in trouble right now. But what does this mean for somebody who has managed their money according to what the Bible teaches over the last several years? What kind of an impact will
2: higher interest rates typically have on somebody like that? The impact for someone who's managed money God's way. And I've had a number of positive emails in the last several weeks from people saying, thank you. I have no debt. I'm not concerned about interest rates going up. Mm -hmm. We know the Bible discourages debt. We know I've been teaching and helping people become debt-free over the last four decades. If you have little or no debt, the increase in interest rates is no big deal. And if you've been following Proverbs twenty one twenty, which where it says in the house of the wise, there is a storage of choice, food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. If you've been following that and you have a surplus of cash, you can invest it now in GICs, guaranteed investment certificates, and make more money. And they've gone up a lot. I mean, it wasn't long ago, a two-year GIC was uh, under 1%. And today you can get, well, just recently a client got one for 4.35%, and it looks like they're gonna go even higher. So the people that have managed money God's way they are much better off. Actually, in some cases, they're even better off all of this that's happening. But the people who do not manage money God's way, unfortunately, they're gonna suffer a lot. Okay, let's take another question. And this one comes from our summer student
1: and it really applies to somebody her age.
0: Hi, so my name is Casey. I am an 18-year-old from Barrie and I'm about to start my undergraduate
2: degree in the fall. And I was just wondering, what is a reasonable amount of student debt to have at the end of it if I can't avoid not going into student debt? Thanks for your question, Casey. There's no simple answer here. Certainly the ideal amount of debt is no debt. We know in Proverbs 22, 7 and Deuteronomy 28, generally speaking throughout the Bible, God discourages debt and warns of the dangers of debt. So here's what I'd recommend you do. Work full-time during the summers and part-time during the school year Spend very wisely only on needs and not wants and desires and try to pay as much of your education costs as you can without going into debt. By the way, I did this when I went through university a number of years ago, and I've seen many other people do it as well. It takes deliberate hard work and effort. It doesn't come naturally. And don't follow the crowd by buying a lot of things you don't need on credit cards. Credit cards available to students today allow them to spend a lot more money and get into a lot of debt. And I'd encourage you to go to our website and watch the eight, one-half-hour videos on the topic, God's Financial Wisdom for Young People. The website's at copelandfinancialministries.org. Okay, thank you, Casey. Uh,
1: What advice, Tom, would you give to people who do have a lot of debt? I mean, we just heard for somebody who has been managing their money according to biblical principles and how they're in very good shape. But if somebody's saying, hey, you know, I wish I was there, but I'm not. So what advice would you have? I have a lot of debt, let's say. And it's really stressing me out because I'm hearing of all of these high interest rates.
2: I'm going to give you five quick points. Number one, you got to learn God's word on finances. I've counseled thousands of people in the last four decades. Most Christians are violating biblical principles unknowingly. Most know about tithing, which represents 3% of the 2,350 references in the Bible to money and material things. So there's so much to learn. For example, God's perspective on debt and saving is very different than the world's perspective. Easy credit today encourages people to buy now and pay later and to use debt freely, which the world promotes. However, God's directive is to use as little debt as possible and pay it off as quickly as possible and to be content with God's provision. In Luke three fourteen, John the Baptist said, be content with your pay. Further, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, God promised the people of Israel that if they fully obeyed him, they would be lenders and not borrowers. The second thing I'd recommend is list out all your debts, including the repayment terms, the maturity dates, and the interest rates. You need to face the truth about your finances. If you ignore it, it's just going to get worse. Proverbs 27.23 admonishes us, be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds. Thirdly, develop and implement a spending plan to make sure that you spend less than you earn and you have a surplus each month in order to pay down debt. And save for future needs. In the parable of the tower, Christ admonished us to plan ahead, and developing and implementing a spending plan or a budget is a good practical way to do that. Next, use your monthly surplus to pay down the most expensive debt first, which is usually your credit cards, and then pay down the other debts. And going forward, be sure to track your expenses. You could use form number six of the Copeland budgeting system, which would help you. So you know your financial facts, you know where your money's going, you'll become more conscious of where you're spending money and you'll tend to spend less. And if you're married, show it to your spouse, which means you'll spend even further less, or if you're single, have an accountability partner.
1: Okay, we're going to take a break in just a moment, but maybe we'll take one more question, Tom, and this one. What advice would you give to an individual or a couple who have seen their home decrease significantly significantly? in value. So this is one of those situations where, you know, you purchased the house and maybe you bought it for a certain amount and now you're seeing it go down. What
2: would you say to them? Generally speaking, I would say, uh, remember, if it's gone down in value, it hasn't shrunk in size and the benefit to the family is still the same. The most important thing you need to do is to assess whether or not you're going to be able to continue to afford the home in the future. With interest rates going up, mortgage payments are going up. One of the things that happened, just got a case recently, someone called in, from Peterborough, and what had happened there is the house had dropped significantly in value. Now it could be another town, but they've dropped significantly in value. And the bank said, well, your credit rating's good. You've made all your payments, but your equity's down. Your value's down, so your equity's dropped. We'll refinance you, but you gotta come up with another $50,000. And so a lot of people may be required by their bank to come up with a chunk of cash, which most people don't have, in order to continue to get their mortgage payments. So if your house has gone down in value, Generally stay the course, but start doing some planning to say, okay, when your mortgage comes due, what could some of the results be? And you need to get ready for that. Say your mortgage comes due and uh, say it matures in two and a half years. Well, you got two and a half years to start to prepare for that. What I find most people are doing, especially if they're on a fixed rate mortgage, they're doing nothing. They think, hey, my mortgage is fixed. I don't have to worry about it. In two and a half years, things will be very different or whenever it comes due. Don't count on that. I can t- One last comment on macroeconomics and inflation. When inflation starts, and I remember this from the 70s and the 80s and part of the 90s, when it starts, it's really, really hard to get it under control. And with all due respect to the government of Canada and and the Federal Reserve in the U.S., they're trying to raise interest rates to control inflation. It'll probably have some impact, but not a full impact, because one of the biggest problems that's causing inflation is the supply chain issues and the war in Ukraine, and our governments don't control that. This is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom
1: Copeland. We are answering your questions for a full hour. And up next, we are going to get into something. We've been talking mortgages. So Tom is going to explain the differences and the positives and negatives of having a variable mortgage versus a fixed rate mortgage. That answer is coming up next.
0: Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones. We'll be right back.
2: Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Bob and Joan totaled their debts. Several credit cards maxed to the limit, a personal line of credit, two car loans, and a large mortgage accumulated to a huge amount. How did this ever happen? Review of their bank and credit card statements revealed that their spending had been in excess of their income for many years. They now realize that borrowing money severely restricts their future options. For example, Joan cannot stay at home with the kids but must work full time and Bob must work additional hours in order to pay for their debts. As they studied God's word on finances for the first time, they learned that God promised his children that if we put him first, he will meet our needs. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Throughout the Bible, God consistently met needs without the assistance of a lender. Clearly, God wants his children to have little or no debts, so they committed to paying off their debts as soon as possible. To learn more, check
1: out CopelandFinancialMinistries.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. I am your host, Steve Jones. We are answering your questions, and this is a, a special, dare we call it an urgent show, that's talking about how do we respond with this high inflation and these high interest rates. And, Tom, you are a wealth of practical knowledge. You know finances very well. You've been doing it for decades. So what advice would you give to someone whose mortgage is coming due in the near future and they're going to be facing higher interest rates and a
2: bigger mortgage payment? Here's what I recommend to people whose mortgages are coming due over the next several months. First of all, check with your bank and at least two other financial institutions to see what the current and the best interest rates are for fixed and variable mortgages. Determine how much your mortgage payment is going to be under the fixed and how much is going to be under the variable option uh, with the appropriate amortization period. Secondly, prepare a spending plan, a budget, to determine how much you and your spouse, if you're married, can afford. What can you afford on your mortgage? And realize that over the next few years, the mortgage payment's likely going up. In other words, develop and implement a realistic budget, and hopefully that enables you to make your future mortgage payment, which will likely be higher. But if you have a projected monthly deficit, then you're going to need to eliminate some non-essential expenses and see if you can get your budget to balance. As you develop your budget, be sure to include the non-monthly expenses, annual insurance premiums, unexpected expenditures such as automobile and house repairs. Form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System can help you with these. And if you cannot come up with a reasonable spending plan or budget that demonstrates that you can afford the higher mortgage payment, then you're going to either A, earn more income, or B, make some tough decisions to downsize your lifestyle, which may include selling of one of your cars or downsizing your home.
1: Okay, so it is time, let's say, to renew a mortgage or maybe even you're trying to get a mortgage and you have to choose between a variable interest rate versus the fixed interest rate.
2: And any of us know the difference, but for those who don't, can you just take a minute to explain the difference? A fixed uh, mortgage rate means that the bank is committed to fixing your rate for the agreed term. It's typically from two to five years. A mortgage with a variable rate means the rate goes up and down depending on the bank's prime rate, which is affected generally directly by the Bank of Canada, which has been going up tremendously lately. And at the time of this interview, a closed variable rate five-year mortgage would be about 4.2 percent and a fixed rate five-year mortgage would be about 5.5 percent. This is common. Usually the variable rate is lower than the fixed rate. But here's the key. With the variable rate mortgage, you take the risk That if rates continue to go up and they go up significantly, you could be worse off than if you went with a fixed rate mortgage. Now, having said that, I'm not telling you you should go with a fixed rate mortgage because today the fixed rate at five and a half percent looks like it's going higher is much higher than it was, say, six months ago at two percent. So a decision to get a fixed six months ago was a good decision. But you need to pray and discern what God wants you to do because certainly interest rates are on the rise and they're likely going up further. I don't know how much further, but you need to pray and and discern what God wants you to do. This
1: is Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. It's time to take another one of your questions.
0: If I've waited till I'm 60 to start putting away money, am I in big trouble? My name is Ed Jokadis. I live in Bracebridge. I um recently semi-retired at 60 and I'm wondering about how much money I need to put away for for the future
2: that's a good question um the answer is probably yes in that if you wait till 60 to save for retirement you've likely missed the boat the only exception would be is if you have a lucrative pension plan with your employer that's going to cover all your retirement costs that would be the, the one exception I'd say this before anyone retires this is so important. You need to prepare a retirement budget. That is what expenses you're going to incur during retirement and determine what your income is going to be and determine whether or not you can afford to retire. I've counseled lots of people, thousands of them, where they go ahead and they get to age 60 or 65 and they think, well, it's time to retire. And they just retire, but they don't have the money. So they end up having all kinds of financial problems in retirement. Sometimes it gets really bad where they lose their car, they lose their house. But they didn't plan ahead. And in Parable of the Tower, Luke fourteen twenty-eight to 30, Christ admonishes us to plan ahead. And if you don't plan ahead, you're foolish and will likely suffer the consequences at a later date. Okay, if we
1: could just carry on with the mortgage talk for just a couple of minutes longer, Tom. Currently, the variable interest rate is less than the fixed on a mortgage. So in your view, if somebody is suggesting, okay, what should I go with? Which one would you pick?
2: Boy, that's a tough one. Most mortgage brokers often say, go with the variable rate because it's lower. That may be the best advice. It may not be. I can tell you this, six months ago, that was bad advice. Six hmm. months ago, when the fixed rate was at 2%, the best thing to do was go with 2%. Even if you fixed in at 3% or 3.5%, it looks a whole lot better today than a variable rate, which is at least 4.2, likely going up, and a fixed that's 55 So we don't know. Even the mortgage brokers don't know. They're going based on history because interest rates have been dropping the last four decades. That's not happening now. So how can God direct you on any important financial decision, whether it be go with a variable rate or a fixed rate? I'm going to give you some guidelines. First of all, God can highlight scriptures as we read his word. Psalms 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And there's lots of scriptures on finances, 2,350 references. So as you go through them, God can speak to you through one or more scriptures. God can also speak to you through a godly um, financial advisor. The Holy Spirit can speak to you um, in the spiritual realm. He can speak to our heart and mind. Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, this one here, you've got to have a close relationship with the Lord to really discern what God wants you to do. God can also reveal to you what you should do with the variable or fixed once you do a projected spending plan or a budget, and the reason is if you're looking at the variable and the mortgage payments lower and you're looking at the fixed, as you work through those numbers, if you can afford the fixed, then then you may be okay to go with that fixed. But if your cash flow is really tight, maybe you're under pressure to go with the variable, but you are taking a risk and you just gotta make sure that God wants you to take that risk. And very importantly, this is the most important one of all, before you make any major financial decision, Pray and ask God to give you his peace regarding that proposed decision. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So if you're not experiencing God's peace with respect to a proposed mortgage renewal that you receive from the bank, then God's likely directing you to look elsewhere for the financing as as well. And do for sure, look around, talk to different banks and remember that the bank's posted rate on their website is often their highest rate they charge. Usually if you got a good credit rating or good equity in your home, you can get a lower rate. Tom, just a bit
1: of a summary on that point. When you're trying to pray and, and you're looking through the Bible for the answers, it seems like it's two things. It's We are doing the preparation, like you said, the planning and the budgeting. And then when you do all that and you look, that's often when God would show you the wisdom, right? To say, okay, Mm -hmm. I just read about this this morning and this is kind of showing me that maybe God wants us to go this way or that way. So it's a combination of you do the prep work, the Mm -hmm. physical, the the actual (laughs) making a plan, making a budget, and then you go to God and say, okay, God, now what do we do?
2: Yeah, and I'd say, even as you're working on your budget, Pray and ask God to give you wisdom in terms of what's a reasonable projected expense for auto repair for the next year. You don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, House repair, what's a reasonable... Ask him to guide you every, every step of the way. I mean, he knows the future you don't, so you can come up with some numbers that are reasonable. And like I say, you need to shop around to get the best deal. And I would say this, when you do renew your mortgage, this is important, Obtain flexibility uh, with respect to the repayment of the mortgage. Often banks will allow you to double up on your payments without a penalty or they'll say you can pay up to 20% per year extra. Make it so that going forward, you too can be in the great position that I've seen so many people that have been following biblical principles for a year where you have no mortgage, you have no debt whatsoever. What's the best amount of mortgage? Zero. If you think you may sell your place in the next few years, then you're probably better to go with a shorter term mortgage, not a five year, maybe a two or three year. And that may be a case that you want to get even a variable rate mortgage because if you have to pay it off, the penalty to pay off a variable rate mortgage is less than a fixed rate mortgage. Okay. Why don't we
1: take a couple more questions? We have one from Tammy Lynn from Innisfil. Tammy Lynn, go ahead.
0: Hello. My name is Tammy Lynn Hill. I'm from Innisfil. I'm a mother of four, wife of one. I work part-time, my husband works full-time, but we just don't seem to be getting anywhere with our savings. I need to know what is the best solution for us to save for our property tax and our, you know, anything that's going to happen, you know, the emergencies.
2: That's a good question, Tammy. And I I would say a few things. First of all, everyone needs to save for what I call the non-monthly expenses. In the Copeland Budgeting System, form number three, we give the typical non-monthly expenses, property taxes, vacation, auto repairs, house repairs, the things that don't come up every single month. And if a lot of people, if they don't save for those when they do come up, they're forced into debt. So if you work through form number three of the Copeland Budgeting System, it'll help you do that calculation. It's available on our website for free, copelandfinancialministries.org. There's 30 minutes of video explaining how to use it. But certainly it is biblical to plan, not only long-term for things like retirement that we talked about earlier, also children's education, but it's biblical to plan even for the short-term expenses that you know are gonna come up in the next year, such as property taxes and vacation. Okay, let's take another question.
0: This is Jason from Brecken. Yeah, I was just looking at getting into maybe doing some stock market investments. Like, you know, some Christians call it borderline gambling in some senses. Like, I've talked to some Christians about the stock market, and they say they wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole because it's borderline gambling. But then on the other hand, it's uh, something that you can do with doing your due diligence of research where it's not really gambling if you do your research on it, but there's still always that chance. And just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
2: Good question, Jason. Investing in the stock market, I know some have the view that it's gambling. Is it gambling? It really depends on what you're investing in. if you're investing in high speculative, highly volatile stocks, then yes, I would consider it gambling. But if you're investing in high quality, blue chip dividend paying stocks, I don't see it as gambling. Now they can go up and they can go down. Also, another thing that's key when you invest, if you don't use debt and it's your own money, the market comes off, you can ride out the storm. If you use debt, that's bordering on gambling. If you start investing money that's not yours, let's say somebody invested money just back at the beginning of the year, say they borrowed 100000 invested in the stock market. Today, it's probably down to about seventy to $75,000. they have lost money that they don't have, and they're in a deficit. So don't use debt. If you use debt or leverage of any kind, that would certainly, in my view, be considered Gambling, But you invest in high-quality blue-chip stocks, diversified portfolio, Ecclesiastes 11.2, and have a long-term horizon, a long-term vision. I don't see that as gambling. It's something that most people have to do to get a sufficient growth to save for things like retirement and kids' education. This is Faith and
1: Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We have been taking your questions. You sent them to us in advance, and thank you for doing that. Now, Tom, I want to focus a little bit on dealing with the inflation and the higher interest rates because we know they're major problems right now. They're negatively impacting a lot of people. And the financial experts believe that it could get worse over the next few years. So what should we do as Christians
2: during these challenging times? One of the first things I encourage Christians to do, because I've talked to a lot who have been like super stressed out. They're watching the news They're getting really stressed out and worried, not only the fact that their mortgage payment's going up, but also it looks like things look really bad right now. It looks like it's going to get even worse, and that's possible for a season of time. But I would say this. I, I think we need to focus on what we can control as opposed to what we cannot control. We cannot control interest rates. We cannot control inflation, but we can control how we use the money that God has entrusted to us. So I encourage people to focus on what they can control and don't get stressed out about the negative news from the media. And remember, God will meet our needs as we put him first. In Matthew six thirty-one to 33, Jesus said, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well.
1: That makes sense, Tom. Thank you for that. But exactly what does it mean for a Christian to put God first in managing money? In other words, how could a Christian be a good
2: steward of their money? I'll give several comments on it. The first and most important aspect of biblical stewardship is acknowledging in your heart and mind that God owns absolutely everything. Haggai 2.8, God said, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And remember, we're stewards or managers of the money that God's entrusted to us while we're here on earth, God is the owner. In First Corinthians 4, 2, it says, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So the key here is faithfulness to God. How are you managing the money, the time, and the resources that's God given to you while you're here on earth? What are you doing with them? Are you managing them? Are you spending money on your own selfish desires? Or are you spending them on needs and also of yourself and your family? And are you investing in God's kingdom? What are you doing with it? Hence, there's no substitute for studying and meditating upon God's word with respect to finances. Joshua one eight says, do not let this book of the law, depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Unfortunately, most Christians are not managing money according to biblical principles because they haven't studied all aspects of what the Bible says on finances. Okay, let's go back and see if we can squeeze in another question.
0: Hi, my name is Anya from Innisfil, and I'm just wondering about what the best way is to take out cryptocurrency investments and how to report them and what the best times would be to take them out.
2: Thanks for that question, cryptocurrency. Steve and I talked about in our last show, January 2022, on this topic And um, basically what I say is this. I don't give specific investment advice. We don't do that in the ministry. But I am willing to share where I'm at because I do a lot of my own investing with respect to cryptocurrencies. And it's real simple. I won't touch them. They're speculative. They're highly volatile. They're high risk. I question, what are you actually buying? When you buy a cryptocurrency, it's something that's been created by the tech people, and the tech people can earn it by simply solving an algorithm, which most of us cannot. Also, in the ministry, I've run into a number of people who wanted to liquidate their cryptocurrency, and they couldn't. I even know of a tech guy, a tech guy whose cryptocurrency was stolen. So, and by the way, since January, and I don't know the future, only God does. Bitcoin, the the most common uh, cryptocurrency, has decreased about 60% in value, so obviously it hasn't been a good investment. As I say to people, if you're going to invest money in cryptocurrency, make sure you can lose it. But I think the best thing to do, don't invest in cryptocurrency. Buy high-quality blue-chip stocks and other things that are likely going to earn you a more consistent return over the years, and make sure uh, you're diversified according to biblical principles. I got a whole section in my book, Financial Management, God's Way, on What the Bible Says on Investing. Don't have enough time to get into that today. The other thing about cryptocurrencies, if the Canadian dollar starts to drop down, there's the Bank of Canada can go on the market and support the currency. There's 35 million Canadians that have a concern and are willing to support the currency however they can. Same in the United States. they got the Federal Reserve. they got 300 million Americans that will support it. Who's supporting the cryptocurrency and what are you really buying? So I would stay away from it completely. Is there a good time to buy it? I don't know, but be sure if you spend money, it's money you can afford to lose
1: this is faith and finance with chartered accountant tom copeland i am your host steve jones still ahead we are going to answer another question regarding buying a home and you always hear a lot from tom who challenges us to look to the bible for our answers and maybe hopefully not but it might make you roll your eyes a little bit and say hey listen we need some practical advice but more importantly does it work Tom has that answer next.
0: Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland
2: and your host, Steve Jones, will be right back. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. Put God first and trust God to meet your needs. Perhaps God's greatest financial promise to believers is that he will meet our needs as we put him first. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, "'So do not worry, saying, "'What shall we eat or what shall we drink "'or what shall we wear?' For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Note that God has promised to meet our needs, such as food, clothing, and shelter, but not necessarily our wants and desires. Often what we believe to be needs in our life are really just things we want. Since God has promised to meet our needs, God does not need a bank, credit cards, or a personal line of credit in order to accomplish this. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In summary, put God first and trust God, not a lender, to meet your needs.
1: To learn more, check out org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. We are answering your questions that you sent to us in advance by email, through social media, and by phone. Thank you for doing that. And we are specifically focusing today is a bit of a theme on the high interest rates and inflation. And Tom, you always challenge us to get into our Bible first, to pray and ask God what to do. And sometimes people might get frustrated with that. And they're saying, oh, I know you keep saying that, but just tell me what I need to practically do. But you have an answer that when people do apply these biblical financial principles,
2: something special happens. That's for sure, Steve. 44 years I've been doing this, I've seen it is tens of thousands of people's finances and one thing I see over and over again, when a Christian starts to manage money according to biblical principles, God looks down. He said, hey, there's a faithful servant. Remember the parable of the talents? The master who's God entrusted five talents to one servant, two to another, and one to a third. After a long time, the master came back. He made the servants accountable, by the way, for 100% of what they had, not just 10%. And for the servants who showed they were trustworthy and faithful with what they had, the master entrusted with them with more. And similarly, what I see when God's people start to manage money God's way, there's all kinds of these small miracles. Sometimes there's big miracles, but usually they're more small miracles. It could be a great deal on a purchase. The Lord may, you know, He may give you another job with a higher income. It could be an unexpected income, or um, God could teach you how to reduce your expenses somewhere or learn to be content with less. In Luke 16 10, Jesus said, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And so often when you demonstrate to the Lord that you're trustworthy with your current level of income, frequently God will entrust you with more. However, sometimes God doesn't increase our income, but he'll just teach us to learn to be content with what we have. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Okay, let's take another one of your questions.
0: Hi, this is John from Bridge North, and my question is, given the economic uncertainty caused by rising inflation and the corresponding higher interest rates, what is your advice for those who are hoping to purchase their first home in the next few months?
2: Excellent question, John, and thanks for that. Not an easy one to answer. Reason I don't know the future, needed as anyone else. And here's my gut feel of what I think is going to happen over the next couple of years. This is not guaranteed, but my gut feel, because I have studied macroeconomics for, well, four and a half decades as you know, the Bank of Canada is raising rates very quickly in order to curb inflation. I believe they'll have limited success because a major cause of inflation is the supply chain issues and to some extent the war in Ukraine. And of course, raising interest rates won't solve those problems. And the risk the Bank of Canada runs is they could easily put us back into recession. And that's, that's going to cause some problems. Where's it all going to end? I don't know. But I would recommend you focus on what you control. Develop and implement a budget. You and your wife, if you're married, Determine how much you're going to need in terms of a mortgage payment and be sure to factor in the other costs such as utilities, repairs and maintenance, insurance, property taxes for your new home and determine how much of a mortgage you can reasonably assume and still have a monthly surplus for unexpected expenditures. Generally, I recommend people wait until they have at least 20% down payment to avoid the CMHC charge, which is quite expensive. And further, it provides a cushion if real estate drops in value after you've purchased the, the house or condo. And certainly pray and ask God for his wisdom and his direction before you move ahead. Real estate's going down right now. I suspect it's going to go down for a season of time. I don't know how long that is. There will come a bottom at some point, and it will start to come back up again. And God can direct you according to his will and bless you accordingly. And if you'd like to learn more about discerning God's specific will when you're dealing with a situation like this, go to our website and watch the eight one-half-hour videos titled Discerning God's Will in Managing Money. The website is org.
1: We often talk about the dangers of debt, but let's say a listener has this pile of debt right now. They see no way out of it except declaring bankruptcy.
2: What advice do you have for them? First of all, God doesn't want you to go bankrupt. It's a bad testimony. What kind of a light in a world of darkness is a Christian who goes bankrupt? And secondly, the scripture says, uh, Psalms 37:21, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. The idea is going bankrupt and defaulting on your debt. It's a sin, but it's not the unforgivable sin, but it is. God doesn't want you to do that. I can say this, for over four decades, I've provided biblical financial advice and my coaches as well to thousands of people. And I've seen people with large mortgages, huge credit card debt, personal lines of credit, and car loans for those individuals learned and followed up. They weren't just a hero of the word, but they were a doer. They learned and they followed up and they implemented the biblical financial principles in almost every case. I'm not saying everyone, but almost everyone, God enabled them to get out of debt and avoid bankruptcy. Often God would provide way of be various miracles. God would provide more income as he sees they're, they're trustworthy with the income they have. That often happens. And God would help them distinguish between a need versus a want and desire. Lots of people are spending money today on things they think they need but it's really a wanton desire. And typically these people would develop and implement a budget and make it so they had a surplus each month so they could start paying down debt and get ahead. But it is possible if you've got a pile of debt uh, for God to help you to get out of it, that's for sure.
1: Tom, it sounds like you have experience in this. You're not just making these suggestions, but I have a feeling that you have your own testimony of how you became debt-free.
2: That's true, Steve. I accepted Christ as Savior and Lord on April 12, 1981, and at that point I had a lot of debt. I did not follow biblical principles because I didn't know what they were. And shortly thereafter, I obtained a number of resources authored by Larry Burkett, who was a great teacher of God's Word on finances. Um, at that time, I was a new chartered accountant, and uh, I first thought the Bible would just be academic with respect to finances, but I, as I listened to Larry's tapes, I was amazed that the Bible contains so much wisdom and practical advice on finances, it it blew me away. It wasn't being taught in the Bachelor of Commerce program at U of T. It wasn't being taught in the CA program. It was being taught by a fellow named Burkett who specialized in teaching God's word on finances. I meditated on a number of key scriptures and God spoke to me through his word, Hebrews 4, 12. And God, it wasn't me, but God changed the way I manage money. In 1982, oh, time that's even worse than what we're facing today uh, currently. Maybe, maybe we will get into a 1982, I don't know. But in 1982, in the middle of a recession, when interest rates were a whopping 18 to 28%, that's like way higher than they are today, God directed me to start my own accounting practice. I had almost no clients, but over the next three years, as I learned and implemented biblical financial principles, including giving 10% of the Lord's work, God did amazing things in providing with, with so many clients, including some very large ones that would normally not use a sole practitioner. And within three years, God had provided an accounting practice that would normally take about 20 to 25 years to build. And I praise the Lord for all of that. And another thing of interest, within three years, I was totally debt-free, no mortgage, no debt whatsoever. That was 1985, and I have never borrowed any money since. And I praise God for the wisdom in His Word And the fact that he just gave me the guidance and the direction every step of the way to become debt-free and manage money according to his principles and his specific will. This is Faith and
1: Finance with chartered accountant, Tom Copeland. Tom, we are listening to you give us this advice. And some of us are thinking, oh my goodness, if only I had heard this advice 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But I want you to just take a a brief moment in a couple of minutes to talk about the value of getting biblical counsel before making any financial decision. We are going to talk about that next.
0: Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland and your host, Steve Jones, will be right back.
2: Financial Moments with Tom Copeland. One of the most biblical and practical ways to avoid borrowing money is to learn to be content with the income that God has provided. Why should we learn to be content? Because as the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we shall take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How do we learn to be content? Philippians four eleven to 13, Paul explained, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In summary, the secret to learning contentment is to focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ and then the things of eternal value will be of greater importance than temporal things, significantly reducing your tendency to borrow and buy.
1: To learn more, check out org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. I'm your host, Steve Jones. We are taking your questions that you sent to us in advance, and we're answering those questions. And this one in particular I think is very interesting because... The value of hearing everything, the resource that Tom is bringing to us today with so many decades of experience of pouring through the Bible for biblical counsel. Tom, can you just take a minute to discuss how important that is to receive biblical counsel before making any kind of major financial decision?
2: Excellent question, Steve. God's word, the Bible recommends that we obtain at least three sources of counsel. First from God himself. First Kings 22, five states, Joseph had said to the king of Israel, First, seek the Lord. Secondly, from his word, Psalms one nineteen twenty four says, "'Your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors.' This would include developing a plan, a budget, and determining what you can afford, especially when your mortgage comes up. And number three, seek the advice of a godly financial advisor. Here's a description of such a godly financial advisor. A spiritually mature Christian who understands and applies God's financial principles, has a close personal relationship with the Lord, has the necessary practical financial knowledge, and habitually puts the interests of clients first. And if you're married, it's best to consult with your spouse, as God wants husband and wife to be one flesh, Genesis 2.22, with respect to any major decision.
1: Okay, let's take another question by phone.
0: My name's Sherry. I'm from Aurora. And my question is, with the high inflation I want to know if I should save for emergency, pay down the mortgage, or do investment with a tax-free savings account.
2: Okay, that's a good question, Sherry. Proverbs 2120 is the first scripture that comes to mind. It says, in the house of the wise, there's a storage of choice, food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In other words, it's biblical to have some savings. So one of the first things I would suggest that you do is set aside roughly $2,000 as an emergency fund for unexpected expenditures automobile repairs, house repairs, that kind of stuff. And then with any surplus funds that you have, I'd recommend rather than investing, I'd recommend you pay down your mortgage. But before you start paying extra on your mortgage, make sure you have flexibility within your mortgage agreement so you don't get hit with any of the penalties, which can be very high. But most mortgage agreements do allow some flexibility to make extra payments without penalty. And um, Let me say this, a lot of people would think, well, paying down the mortgage isn't that exciting. Aren't I better to go and invest the money somewhere and I can make more money than the mortgage payment? Well, you might, but especially the last four months, you would have lost money almost anywhere you invested, whether it be real estate or the stock market or whatever. And paying down one's mortgage is one of the best investments you can make as you're eliminating what's called non-deductible debt. The debt is not deductible for tax purposes. So let's say your mortgage rate is 5%. That means you'd have to earn about seven to 8% on a pre-tax basis on an investment in order to have 5% left over in order to pay down that mortgage. And there's no investment that I know of that is safe that can guarantee you a pre-tax return of let's say seven to 8%. So one of the best things to do after you've got your emergency fund pay down your mortgage, but don't do it to the point where you're incurring any penalties with the bank. Okay, Tom, let's see if we can sneak in one more question. This one is
1: from Nathan from Peterborough, and it also happens to be about investing. What is a good investment strategy to have during these times of inflation and high interest rates and possible recession?
2: Thanks for that question, Nathan. There's no simple answer because there's so many scriptures in the Bible that apply to investing. Actually, in my book, Financial Management, God's Way, the largest chapter deals with the biblical principles of investing. Here's some of the keys. First of all, the best investment today depends on future events. And since no one but God knows what's going to happen in the future, we need to pray and depend and trust him to guide and direct us. As usual, I don't give specific investment advice. However, here's some important biblical guidelines that every Christian needs to follow. Number one, don't borrow to invest. God discourages borrowing to invest. And when you borrow to invest, you're almost making it speculative and you're increasing your risk very substantially. Secondly, diversify your investments. Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, give portions to seven, yes, to eight, for you do not know what calamity will come upon the land. So you need to have investments in Different areas, different sectors, different types of investments, because at any one time, if one investment's going down, usually they're not all going down. Sometimes another investment could be going up. Avoid high-risk investments, and that would include cryptocurrencies that we talked about earlier, or any um, high-risk or speculative stocks. And when investing in equities, the best way to do it is the dollar cost average, and you put in a fixed amount a month every month, and you do it over a long period of time. The market goes up, the market goes down. You're not going to buy at the bottom necessarily or at the top, but you get an average weighted cost, and it's just a much safer way to go into equities. Proverbs 13.11 says, He who gathers money little by little makes makes it grow. Rather, Develop and implement a budget to ensure you have a surplus each month so you have something to invest. A lot of people aren't even there. Seek counsel from God, His Word, and a godly investment advisor. And don't forget the most important investment of all. Give generously to God's work, which will enable you to convert a temporal asset, such as money, into something of an eternal benefit. And remember in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said, do not build up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but build up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This has been a lot to take in with Faith and Finance
1: with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. But thankfully, he has a website and it is just loaded with resources. CopelandFinancialMinistries.org. That's CopelandFinancialMinistries.org. You can also join Tom's Financial Moment email list. A Financial Moment is a one-minute summary of a biblical principle on finance. If you would like a copy of the audio file of this interview, it will be available on the Life website very soon and also on Tom's website, org. Further, Tom or one of his financial coaches can provide biblically-based financial advice to individuals, couples, or business owners. If you're interested, go to the website, send Tom an email. And further, there's a number of CDs and DVDs on various financial topics that you can obtain at no charge except to pay for the shipping. Again, all of this is available at CopelandFinancialMinistries.org. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. And Tom, this is very helpful. You have just recently completed
2: a new book. Yes, it's called Financial Moments, Biblical Principles That Will Transform How You Manage Money. As many of you have heard on radio and TV, a financial moment's a one-minute summary of a biblical principle on finance. And in this book, there's 360 of them on 20 different topics. So you can use the book as a daily devotion or you can focus on the financial topics that you're particularly interested in. The cost is $20 plus shipping. As usual, we don't make any profit on this. I don't get a dime out of it. And we have our normal policy. If somebody needs it and wants it, they send us an email, we'll give it to them for free. And if anybody would like a copy of the book, you can go to our website, copelandfinancialministries.org. And there's also a new book that's going to be out very shortly. And this is one that's really relevant to today. It's called Debt Reduction, Biblical Principles to Deal with Inflation, higher interest rates, and to eliminate debt. We're hoping to have the ebook ready probably about the middle of August of 2022. And the hard copy may not be ready until about the end of September of 2022. But if that's of interest, you could send us an email and we can put you on the list and we could ship those out to you. And again, if somebody needs the book, but they can't afford it, tell us your situation. If it's reasonable, we'll give it to you for free. Tom, you
1: also always seem to have some kind of small group going on, which involves people from all over the country and maybe even North America. Who knows? Mm. Do you have any of
2: those on the way? Yes, we do. The in-depth study that I've written that's been taken thousands of times is called Financial Management God's Way. This is a 12-week study, two hours on the Zoom meeting, three hours of homework, 60-hour commitment of work here. But this is a study where we see the most significant permanent change in the way people manage money. There's lots of scriptures, 30 real life case studies so the participants understand the practical application of the biblical principles. And it's just really, really well worth going through. You're recommended to get a copy of my book. And again, same policy. If you can afford it, buy it. If you can't afford it, explain your situation. We'll send it to you for free. These are being done on Zoom. There's one already set up starting about the third week of September. We're going to have others starting at different times. And since it's on Zoom, it doesn't matter where you live. And frankly, when we have these meetings, we have people from across the country, people from the U.S. as well, and even people from Africa and the Far East. We have people from different places because the technology today has really allowed us to expand the ministry in that respect. Tom, this has been a very timely topic because of the high inflation and the higher interest
1: rates, and it's a great concern for us today. Do you have any final
2: comments? Yes, I'd encourage everyone to invest the time to learn what God's word says on finances. Again, for those who have managed money God's way for the last several years, the higher interest rates and the higher inflation will have no major negative impact upon them. Wouldn't you like to be in that position so that you wouldn't have to worry about this? And the way you can get there is by learning and applying the biblical financial principles and watch God as you work at applying those principles, watch God help you through it, probably with some little miracles as well. And there's just no substitute for studying and meditating upon God's word as it relates to finances. In addition, develop a future budget well before your mortgage comes due. This is really important so you don't end up in a financial mess if indeed your mortgage payment goes higher, which it likely will. The sooner you act, the sooner you prepare for the higher mortgage payment, the better you're going to be off.
1: This has been Faith and Finance with Chartered Accountant Tom Copeland. Thank you so much for joining
2: us, Tom. Would you close today in prayer? Heavenly Father, I just pray that through your word, uh, you'll touch the hearts of everyone listening. Your word is powerful. It's truth. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Father, I know that through your word and your spirit, you've touched some hearts. And I just encourage that these people would follow up. That they would, just wouldn't be a hero of the word, but also doer. They would follow up. Get onto our website, learn more about your way of managing money, and most importantly, that they in turn would implement the biblical principles that you've provided to us and on a regular basis pray and discern from you, Father, exactly what you want them to do. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Faith and Finance is produced by Life 100.3. Many thanks to our studio guest, chartered accountant Tom Copeland. The fact that God has a plan for you also means that you need to be clear in understanding the gifts and resources that God has given your family and how you can work together to serve Him. This understanding should direct where you give, where you invest your time and money, and how you view the world. Thanks for listening.